0: Welcome back to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my new friend, Jennifer Paler. And Jennifer is a visionary and bold people engineer and leader offering proven expertise driving exponential growth and organizational transformation through effective people development, employee and customer engagement leadership coaching, management consulting and strategic initiatives. Currently Jennifer works in executive development at IBM, which has 350,000 employees across the globe, and she is working on a book on leadership to be published sometime in 2020, so coming soon Jennifer, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat.
1: Thank you, Andy. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, so great to have you on. We were connected by uh, Whitney Johnson whom I interviewed a little while back and Of course, she had some great things to say about you and the work that you've been doing both at IBM and on your own. And I'm eager to dig into some of that stuff. I know you're big on uh, applying creativity to leadership development, and you have a motto about touching lives. And I definitely want to get into that as well. But before we do, maybe you could start by sharing a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, thank you, Andy. I'm an artist by talent, by nature um by skill and this is different for me because usually when i do presentations i start off by actually singing and i'll sing something and i'll say hmm strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly with his song. So that's how I actually started. I started off as a, Singer, songwriter, when I was a young girl, and I used to direct choirs. And then at some point in my life, around 12, I said, Hi, world, this singing thing is cool. But I've always loved math and science. So I had this dream of either being a singer, an engineer, or an architect because I'm an artist. And I started working with producers. And I started writing, I started developing songs, and I started a group called Structure. And then when I got, became a teenager, I was pretty good in math and science, and I was doing a lot of engineering things in high school. And I had an opportunity when I was 19 to sign a record deal with Sony or to join IBM as a video game developer. Wow. And at at the time, I had I had worked with so many artists and producers. I'd worked with uh, 50 Cent. I'd worked with um, DMX. I mean, just some of the older names that you might know, but they're very talented people. But Wyclef Jean, even my record deal would have been working with, believe it or not, a guy named Swiss Beats. He was on the up and coming at the time, and now he's married to Alicia Keys. So I had a decision. Do I go in and... Continue my electrical engineering degree, or do I take this singer record deal? So I took the IBM deal, and it has been worth it. I have enjoyed it. And at this point in my career, I've done singing. I have been an engineer. I have been a consultant, a business transformation delivery consultant. Also, I did a pivot, and now I'm doing leadership development and leadership coaching. So I think um, now as a people engineer, that's what my role is today. I have the opportunity to architect so many different things using creativity. So I take pieces of math and science and philosophy and music and art and I pull them together to help leaders become better at what they do and try to impact lives across the company and in the world. So that's how I became this people engineer through art. Wow. What an interesting story. And I'm sure there's a lot more to it.
0: But first of all, I want to say, I've done over 200 interviews between my two podcasts, and I don't think anyone has done any singing on the (laughs) podcast yet. And your voice is beautiful. So you are a great first one for that. So thank you for sharing that with us. And second of all, I'm just thinking, how many people have had to decide between a record deal or becoming an engineer at IBM? It just seems like Two very different worlds. You know, the artist is the person that's not really into math or science and and vice versa. So you're very unique in that. And how did you how did you approach that decision? Because that was a very pivotal moment for your life.
1: So at that moment, if I just take my mind back, I remember the hard work that it took to get there and the relationships and all the people that helped me grow as an artist. And I remember the dream. I remember standing in the office on Sony, in Sony, and I sang a song by Celine Dion. I think it was the Titanic song, or I'll be waiting for you. But I sang that song, and they put the deal right in front of me at the time. And I remember them saying, "We want you to be this other image. Like you're very pretty. You, you know, I was young, and they said we want you to be the R&B little Kim." At that moment, that wasn't a vision I had for my life. I liked music and things of that, but I didn't, it was at the moment where I said, no, I know who I am. And that's the first thing leaders have to do is realize, who are you as a person, as a leader? At that moment, that was how I made the decision. I had a very clear vision of my identity, and it didn't fit with the identity and I mean, maybe I could have been wrong at the time, but that's how I made my decision. It didn't align with my vision and who I believed that I was. And so it was easy. The decision was super easy for me. It was like, OK, if my mom sees me like this and my, or my mom sees me like that, which one would she be proud of? Hmm. So I think she would be more proud of me being the engineer working and getting paid 40 hours a week, you know, and yeah. developing video games was fun at the time pay paid to play games, I mean, that was even better.
0: If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Well, there's two things you said there that I, I think are interesting, and one is really important, which is that you tapped into what your vision for your life and your purpose and where you wanted to go, and that made the decision so much easier. And I know other people who have done that, and I know there's a lot of people out there who face these decisions. They don't know what to do because they don't have a clear vision for where they want to go when you have a clear vision and you have clear values that is what are the things that you value and it's different for everybody and there are no right or wrong answers then decisions become so much easier when something comes to you and you can say does this fit in to my vision i had one of these recently some I, an opportunity that came my way and i checked in with a coach i have yesterday and she said well how does this align with your future vision where you want to go and i said it doesn't and she said great the, the answer is easy then you don't you turn it down right? It's hard to turn these things down when they come up, but if it doesn't align with your vision. Now, you also said that what would your mom be most proud of, which is important, but doesn't necessarily have to align with your vision. But in this case, they they were aligned.
1: They were aligned because I was 19. And so the only thing I really knew at the time was values and teachings and guidance that my mom taught me. And I also knew guidance and principles and teachings that these other giants in the industry taught me. People like, like I said, were a lot of celebrities that I was around, a lot of them. And I don't want to call the names because I'm not name dropping. I don't even like that. But the point is they were very accomplished, very successful, very wise, and they were very, you know, successful in the music. So I had people telling me a lot of things at 19 years old. I didn't even really understand the decision making process. The only thing I could hold on to was, okay, to your point, here is my purpose. Here's how I stay true to who I am. That's the only thing I, I actually knew to do. So that's the reason why my mom came into play. And um, I told her a story recently and she says, I never knew that story. <laughs> you know, so sometimes as leaders and as role models, you don't know when you are impressing upon someone in a way that will help them make a decision that will govern and direct their life. Even if you don't say anything to them, even if you just live a certain way, you are impacting and touching a life. And when it's time for people to make a decision, ready to learn, learning, people are not always ready to learn. They look to people who have given them some sound guidance and wisdom, and hopefully, they take that data and able to make a decision that will make them live with. So I can live with the decision.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And, you know, we're always faced with these tough decisions in life, and, you know, they seem so hard at the time. And then we make a decision, we move on. And then I always think, well, we made the right decision. No matter what you do, you're going to make the right decision. And then it's going to be a part of your journey. So you got into video game production at IBM, which I didn't think IBM was involved in video games at all. What was that? Like?
1: Yeah, IBM is a cool company. Like we've done everything. So when I, I was 19, I went to school for electrical engineering. So I was in um, studying in undergrad. And at the time we had a personal computer called the Activa. So you remember the black computers that IBM used to make? You had the ThinkPads and you have the personal computers. They were called Activa. On the Activa multimedia, personal computer. We had a slew of apps. We call them apps. Back then we call it software. So we had a lot of apps on there and video games. We had some very high tech video rendering hardware and software. And um, IBM was known to bring in that multimedia entertainment experience into your home. So the computers had home director. I remember this hardware and software where. Um, IBM had this computer and you could turn your lights on. Sort of like now how we have um, internet of things. We had that at IBM. You could turn your stove on. You could turn your oven on at a certain time. You could um, turn your lights on at a certain time. This was, you know, back in the um, late 90s. And then we had these video games that we could play. So some of the video games were um, Duke Nukem. That was um, popular back then. And we had the Rome and all types of these similar games that we have today, like building civilizations and, you know, cool stuff, but it was fun. We had a huge gaming lab, huge gaming lab. And I mean, it was, you know, a lot of adults just in there literally programming games and beating each other up on the games and competing. So it was a fun, fun space. So IBM has been involved in a lot.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I had no idea that they were doing all that stuff and, uh, really fun things. So how did you move from, obviously you, you've you been there for a few years. How did you move from engineering into the space that you're in now getting into coaching and executive education and that sort of stuff? It's a big shift.
1: Yeah. Halfway through my career, I was a total, they call it geek. I don't know what it means, but they called it geek. I was a total um, lab person. Like I stayed in the lab for 10 years, literally programming, designing. And I would go around the world in different countries and different places where we had to bring up different manufacturing sites across the world. And one of the things that fascinated me about systems, about processes and engineering was, you know, we can design in a very simple context. Back then it was simple. Now things are more complex. So the technology was designed to last forever. You know, it wasn't as fast paced. But one thing that really fascinated me was I thought about it. I said, I can program this. I can design this. And it would last for a very long time. But the interactions from people, the way people were thinking about it, how do you interact with the system? It fascinated me. So the person was a component in the system that you can't control. There were controlled objects you can create. There's hardware that you can design that would be stable. But the person introduced another component in that system that fascinated me. So I thought about how people operate in the system. And I loved the way that people thought and the things they came up with. And it was just beautiful. So I wanted to work more with people. I wanted to really start training people, consulting, just learning from people. And I spent a lot of time developing engineers and other people who were coming up in the company. And I said, I want to do external people now. And I want to go outside of IBM. So I got into business transformation consulting, helping our external clients in IBM transform their business using creativity and art and some of the skills that I had developed over time. And transferred. And then I said, okay, I think I'm ready to leave engineering. You know, after about 10 years. 10 years in engineering back then is a long time. And I wanted to take that leap and just sort of pivot. And I went back to school and I um, studied leadership development and I fell in love with the method and the practice. I just fell in love with how you develop leaders. And then I went back to school and got certified in business, executive business coaching. So that's how I moved into the area. And I started branding myself, putting myself out there for, um, you know, this type of work. And I got an opportunity to build a talent development group inside of one of the businesses at IBM. And I remember talking to the director and I said, you know, I went back to school and I really want to... Do more of this people thing. Yeah. And so whenever you have an opportunity in your group to build up something for people, let me know. A year later, he walked up to my desk and he said this was a long time ago, but he walked up to my desk and he said, Jennifer, we are going to bring on this group called the Millennials. (laughs) and um he says i think you're like an older millennial we're not quite sure but you know you're right on the line so i think you're like a millennial and i said okay i think i may be a gen x but hey whatever you want to call it so he says can you build up a talent development team i said from the ground up he says yeah you're an engineer you're an architect you're a builder right i said yeah i said but i need some help and so he brought in a um leader who had been at IBM for about 30 years, super genius, creative person. And together, he and I literally constructed this talent development team for a large tens of thousands of uh, employees. And it was the rest is history. Now I've, you know, developed a lot of skills, having fun. I moved into corporate leadership development. It's not a I wish I could say that I strategically planned it, but it's it's not about strategy, it was more about passion and being creative and taking a chance on what I believed in. And good things happen um when you are in tune with who you are. Yep.
0: This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as Creating a Culture of Multipliers, Gender Equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on Helping Rid the World of Bad Bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on Decision Making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, Calming the Storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giuliani, on Developing in Place, How to Continue Your Growth During Remote Working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on The Secret Sauce for Learning in the Flow of Work. Plus, many more. Just head to our website at advantageperformance.com, click on free resources, and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. So, I want to ask you about the talent development department or group that you built and get in a little bit of that executive development. But I want to ask you one more question about your personal story because we often don't get that personal on this show but we do talk a lot. I've been having more guests and more conversations about diversity and inclusion becoming, you know, a really important topic of course. And you are a black woman, right? In a world that I imagine is dominated by what I imagine being white men wearing, wearing blue button-down shirts, right? IBM engineering. So what was that like and how did you make your mark and build a successful career being so much different than everybody else?
1: Yes, I'm a Black woman, and uh, I've been Black all my life. That's what I tell people. No sometimes. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it feels like? Yeah, I've been Black all my life. Yeah. You know, as a young girl, my mother told me, she says, Jennifer, she says, in this world, it's going to be very hard for you. Mm. She said, it's going to be super hard. She said, you're smart. You're graduating top of you. I think I was number six or something in my class. But she said, you're smart. She said, but you're different. She said, so you are going to have to work twice as hard. So she kept telling me that from like a child. Now, I didn't realize that she was right. So in my career at IBM, I have been fortunate enough to get some people who really saw me for who I was. So when I was 19, that was my first year. I was 18 when I got the job, 19 when I started. Most people start working in an internship when they are junior or senior. Right. So I got an opportunity from a lady named Norma Fries. She was a, a white lady. And she said, I'm hiring for 300 people. I mean, I, I'm hiring for one person, but I got 300 people that I'm interviewing. So she actually gave me the chance. So she saw me for who I was. I had another opportunity where a, one of my leaders, he was from Persia, one of, a manager from Persia. And uh, a man, he was an engineer, very smart, and he saw me, you know, for who I was. I had another, a white male manager who saw me for who I was. And then I had some black managers, or let's just say this, I had some black colleagues and, and leaders who, you know, were actually not as helpful as some other colleagues. So I will say this, IBM is a very diverse company. It's very diverse. And I think that you don't see a lot of women in leadership as much as you see males. You see more today. But when I started back then, it was very rare. You don't see a lot of black women in leadership back then. It's more today. So it's hard. You know, the thing I'll leave you, leave you with is it's, it's very hard. I have to work almost three times as harder as anybody else. And I don't even think it's about race at this point. I know it's there. You know, it's always going to be there because I've been black all my life. But I think it's more about my authenticity. So there are some decisions that I have to make as a black woman. I hear things about, can you be more collaborative? So if you talk to anyone about me, In IBM, they'll tell you, Jennifer's very collaborative. She works with everybody. Like, I do a lot of crowdsourcing, crowdfunding. So it's at the face value. I'm a collaborative person. But what they're saying when it comes from a certain type person is, Jennifer, we don't want you to be as authentic or as colorful. Right. You know, so that's why now I told you I sing. (laughs) I didn't sing before. I would have been scared to sing. Yeah. But now I do sing and now people know I can sing. But 20 years ago, I would have never told anyone at IBM that I could sing. But now like my leader that I have today, she asked me to sing and she sings. So things change. You do have to realize the system you're in, but it's hard and some things that people have to um, get comfortable with and I have to get comfortable with them going along the journey and growing. So IBM today is diverse. We have all types of races, all levels of leadership now. Um, and I've seen that growth over the last 22 years. So I appreciate the opportunities that I have gotten just by being who I am at IBM.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. you did tell me before we started recording, you, you like to be Truly authentic. And I, I like to think everybody does. But in the corporate world, a lot of people, it doesn't matter whether they're different race or anything else, they usually uh, oftentimes are holding something back. And I'm definitely seeing a movement uh, where companies are saying we want people to be able to bring their whole selves to work and be authentic. And I think that's part of the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion, right? Is that we all have different backgrounds and stories and points of view and experience. And we want people to be able to, to be themselves I guess to a certain extent, some things can be distracting, but for the most part, you know, if if you like to sing, sing. If you like to dance, dance. I dance in meetings. You know, it's being willing to put yourself out there, right? And be your whole self. So that's great. And and then you mentioned you had that opportunity to build that that talent development group. I have a lot of listeners who are building talent development groups. People have reached out to me. Most of them are much smaller companies, right? They're building things from scratch, may not quite have the resources that IBM does or had. But what were a couple of keys to your success there in building a successful talent development
1: group from scratch? One thing is listening to like mentors and listening to what the problems are in the business. So really listening to what is the business challenge? There's a reason why you want to build a talent development team or a group. It's a reason. It's, I mean, it's not that. The obvious reason is not what I'm talking about, but there's a business reason why you had to do this. So I say number one is always align it to a business challenge. What is it there to do to serve the business? The other thing that I think that is important is soliciting help. Like I said, it was one person and then I had to, we did it together, but soliciting help from the people. What I mean with people, the people that you're developing, the talent. So, one of the things that I did was I never developed talent development in a box. You can't just put talent development on a person. You have to engage the people, involve them, because behaviors are very hard to change. Learning is not just knowledge transfer, learning is transformational. So, you have to involve the people as your clients. These people that you're developing are your clients. And then the third thing, that I always say is be very creative, be creative. There are a lot of things that uh, when I started, people said, we have different training classes across the company that we are doing and people are consuming, but be creative. Um, Do one thing. I used to say, I'm going to clean the closet. People say, what is that? And so looking at all of the different training activities and offerings and programs that might exist across the enterprise and how are people consuming them. Sometimes it's a lot of stuff, but people are not even consuming it. So I clean the closet. I will go in to my closet into the, you know, offering or portfolio and say, okay, we're not using that. We're not using it. We're not using it. Throw it out. And the only thing we need is five outfits. Let's wear these five outfits very well and just go really deep on it and um, that has really been helpful because it, it's not simple, but it simplifies your um, your strategy, and um, you actually get to wear those outfits instead of them just hanging in the closet. So that's one of the things I, I call it cleaning out that closet.
0: Yeah, you were you were doing that before uh, this whole movement started by Marie Kondo, right? With the, tit- the art of tidying up. Everybody's throwing stuff out these days. Uh, at least in their literal closets, but you're doing it in the figurative closet there and, and streamlining and simplifying. You mentioned creativity, and I know this is a big thing for you. You started out as an artist and you're still bringing that to what you do at work. And when we talked, even before we started recording, you talked about how you like to bring creativity to leadership and really use that in leadership. So I'm wondering... Tell me more about that approach. Why do you think creativity is so important in leadership? It's not something that I hear that often being linked together.
1: Creativity is a skill that you can learn. And creativity helps people see things in a different way. There's what we call, I don't know if you've heard of David Snowden. I'm going to give him credit because I really love his model. But David Snowden has this Kenevin framework, and there are four different areas um, in this framework. And um, one of them is complexity and one of them is is complex. So the idea is right now we are in this, most of the time, we're in this complexity type um, system and leaders are trying to navigate complexity. And many leaders, believe it or not, they underestimate how difficult it is to navigate complexity. And the reason they do is because they don't have creativity. When you're operating, remember I was a process engineer, so I used to develop processes and procedures. When you're developing a process, David Snowden's Kanban Framework calls that like a simple or obvious type environment. You have a cause and effect of something that happens the same way every time. So you can solve for it. You can say, OK, if this happens, here's the process I'm putting in place. Here's the rule I'm putting in place. and You kind of capture it in complexity. It may only happen once. It may not. The cause and effect may be incoherent. So the only thing you really have is the creativity skill where you can create something that you've never done or that somebody else has done and you're applying it in a different way. So for example, let's take this. uh, You can't see it, but let's take lip gloss, for example. Okay. Well, there's a process for putting on lip gloss, right? In this lip gloss tube, I have a like a little bottle. It has lip gloss in it and I put the little applicator in it and I take it off and I put it on my lips. Right. That's the process of putting on lip gloss. Well, how do I apply that in the sense? Well, how can you use that same concept when you're leading someone? All right. So let's think about it. I'm at work. I'm a leader. And you know what? I have an employee who's not engaged. So this employee is not engaged. Why? Maybe they need some lip gloss. You know, maybe there's something going on. Why do we need lip gloss? Well, it helps you shine. It's glossy. It helps you shine. So what can we do in employee engagement to help someone actually shine? Give them some lip gloss. So what does that mean in the workplace? Well, you apply it every day or you apply it weekly. So how about as a leader? How about offering some lip gloss to some people who may need to shine? that normally don't wear lip gloss. So that may be easy to understand or maybe it's difficult, but the point is it's just a creative way or a model to think about a different way of doing something than what you normally would do in an obvious environment. Because if you were in an environment where you create a process for it, you probably would do the same thing all the time. But they don't need lip gloss all the time. You know, so it's just really about being creative and figuring out how can I apply that here? And then sometimes it works.
0: Yeah, I can't say that I've ever put lip gloss on, but I totally understand what you're, you know, what you're talking about. You haven't. So how do you bring this in? How do you build this into leadership development to help leaders become more creative at IBM or anywhere that you're working?
1: Breaking the rules, helping them do things that they would normally not do to unleash them. We are creatures of habit, so we get in a habit of applying the same thing over and over and over. One of the things I'm working on now, I'm working on with Dr. Sherini Pillay, is how do we bring in music, in particular gospel music, to help leaders really become more inspirational and authentic. So there are a lot of studies and a lot of, and and Dr. Sherini Pillay is a Harvard professor and psychiatrist who's done a lot of study on the brain and neuroscience And so for this past year, we have been creating a method where you can apply gospel music to the brain and to the heart and to the soul to actually transform leadership. So it's a different leadership development approach. Usually in leadership development, we do training. You know, we take someone to a training class or we do a virtual or in person and we have some topics and we do a workshop and they walk away and they say, oh, I know this stuff. Yep. You know, and leaders go back to doing whatever they want to do. It's cool. And you know what they say? It was great to get together with everybody. Mm-hmm. It was so good to just be together. We need to do this more often. But they go back into their environment and they go back to doing the same thing. But when you think about music, especially gospel music, it literally touches the core of a person and who they are. And they have to deal with themselves. So the creative part of it is, we don't really use gospel music and leadership development, but um, the brain responds very well to gospel music. And so that's a lot of the research that Dr. Sharini Pillay developed. So that's one of the examples where um, we've actually been experimenting with the music. Today in my job, I will do improv with leaders. Um, I will also design different elements in their workshops. That will stretch them out of the box, sort of making them a little bit uncomfortable, but more like liberating. So um, one of the things I'm working on now is doing a um, sort of like improv, but a little stage play to help leaders embody what it feels like in their body and in their mind and in their brain on how to really be inspirational. So doing a little acting um, there.
0: That's cool. So bringing in music, bringing in acting, bringing in performance, um, a lot of creativity, creative aspects of life to, that you don't find much in the corporate world that you're bringing in to really change how people think and, and get them thinking more creatively. I like that. And I've heard of other companies doing things like that as well. And uh, really cool to hear. I definitely want to uh, keep in touch and, and hear how those things are going. What's been your... In this career you've had with 20 years or so with IBM, what's been your greatest accomplishment?
1: That's a very difficult question. I saw that on your um, email and I started thinking, what is my greatest accomplishment? And it's very hard for me to think like that. So I'll say I'll say it in another way. I am happy that I have been able to touch the lives of so many IBMers in a very different way. So we have a program called Blue Core Coaching and we have another program called PALS and we have another program called B. But each one of these programs, I designed them, but each one of them literally touches the life of IBMers. We have IBMers in um, what I call peer-to-peer cohort models. So you heard of cohort type learning models, but I designed the environment in a way that provides a level of psychological safety, sanctuary, relief, uh, freedom, a sense of freedom of like where they can just bring their whole selves to it. And people come into those sessions and they say, this has literally changed my life. It's changed me as a person. I have one story and she's okay with me sharing it, but she learned this new skill in this environment. And she says, I just took a chance on this coaching thing is one of the coach skills training one and she says I started using this coaching when my mom had a stroke. My mom had a stroke and she couldn't move, she couldn't talk. And I said, you know what? It's so frustrating. I can't get to, through to my mom. She's frustrated. The doctor's frustrated. She started coaching her mom. And she sent pictures from day three when her mom literally, you know, you couldn't even read. It was like what we call chicken scratch. And then she sent the picture thirty days later. And she said, this is a result of me being in that experience. So it's an experience that touches people's lives. And her mom's handwriting was beautiful. The point is, she changed her own life, her happiness. And she uses it at work. And we have thousands of people like that. So my great, what I'm happy to see is that people bring it. And I'm able to be a small part of you know, them having some happiness and, um, you know, happiness at work.
0: Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's, it's so fulfilling on the flip side, what's been one of your biggest mistakes or failures and what did you learn from it?
1: One of my biggest mistakes is really trusting the wrong people. Now I have an issue and I have to get over this, (laughs) but I, I literally will trust the wrong people because I just believe in people And one time I was, um, and I'm a helper. So I know when to say no, I know how to prioritize. I get that. But sometimes when I trust you, I might say yes. (laughs) And so I was asked to do a program and the context was, Jennifer, we want you to lead this program because you're creative. So here's the Hey, you're creative. We need innovation, so forth and so on. You could do it. Everything you do is innovative. I'm like, okay, okay. But the person who used to lead it is leaving in three days. So we really need you to do it. I said, let me think on it. You know, something told me, don't say, you know, you don't always say yes. Let me think on it over the weekend. I want to help you because I trust you and I really, really like you. So everything in me was saying, don't do that. Don't do it. Looked at the pros and cons, evaluated, don't do it, don't do it. So I ended up doing it. And believe it or not, the program worked out well. The innovation of the program worked out well. It was actually one of the highest MPS scores that had ever happened in the program in 10 years. But the part that was a failure was the relationships, I'm big on relationships, but the relationships afterward were torn apart because the people that I trusted Mm-hmm. you know, told me some things that were not really accurate. So now the relationships of a few people that were involved were bad. And I don't, I don't like having a bad relationships. So that's one of my biggest failures is those relationships of people that I trusted and really, really liked are just torn apart. So yeah. we'll see how that goes.
0: I hear you. I can, I can totally relate.
1: I think we're both people, people,
0: people pleasers, trusting people. I, I, I like and trust everybody. Everybody's my friend. So those things really hurt. They sting.
1: Yeah.
0: Is there any trends that you're following in talent development? You think you're changing the way people work or do things?
1: So the trend that I'm seeing is like the AI, the artificial intelligence and um, blockchain. And if you think about what HR is doing and what we're doing, with cognitive, we're a cognitive company, but like box and HR, um, how does AI play out in the work of the future? So to me it's cool. I've never been afraid of technology. I'm a I love it. Like I'm a geek. That's what I love to do. I think the trend is people are racing to figure out how to make it tangible. There's this um capability now with um blockchain AI. It's just it's it's a capability. And now people are trying to figure out how to make it tangible. And so people are doing a lot of chat box to do um internal operations and even we have some cool um, cognitive technology around compensation and and employee engagement and recruiting in IBM. So we can truly um, do some amazing things around that. So that's one of the trends that I'm um, I'm seeing, and I think it's it's literally at the very beginning for the industry. Even though we've in IBM and a lot of other companies, you know, they've been, we've been living with is a normal part of our day. But I see a lot of External companies to IBM are really trying to figure out how do they integrate that into their operations and their workforce transformation.
0: Yeah, and IBM, I imagine, is the forefront of that, and a lot of companies trying to figure that out. Okay, so that's new school technology. Um, the other question is, uh, do you have a book or perhaps a TED talk that you highly recommend or has made a big impact on you?
1: I have a lot of books. <laughs> I'll give you two. Okay, I have it right here. The first one is the Bible. That has a lot of impact on me. Like I filter everything through that. I can't, I look at it and and I read it and it's just like, it's a good, it it governs everything I do. So it's very rich and um, it's timeless. So it it hasn't gone out of style and it it serves me well. But another book that I really, really like, I have it right here. It's called Driven to Distraction at Work. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's by um, Dr. Edward Hallowell. It is a very good book and it says how to focus and be more productive. So one of the things about the new workforce and the modern workforce is um, everything is just so ad hoc. There's a lot of distractions everywhere. So uh, if you think about the decisions that we made 20 years ago and the things that we did 20 years ago, we still have to do them today, but there are more distractions to contend with. And he does a great job really spelling this out. And he talks about um, ADT, attention deficit trait. And with the attention deficit trait, everybody could have this. And it only occurs when you're in a distracted environment. And the way you get rid of it is pull yourself out of the environment. So, I recommend this book to everybody who lives their life in their inbox. I don't live my life in my inbox. I don't live my life on instant messages. But this book right here is um, driven to distraction at work.
0: Mm, I live my life on social media, so I'll probably have to check that out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last question, Jennifer, for anybody listening who's looking for a way to uh, accelerate their career and reach new heights in talent development, what's one more piece of advice you would give?
1: Connect with people. Connect with people. Don't just stay inside of the walls of your corporation. To your point, social media, get out on social media. Just do it. Don't worry about what you have and what you don't have. Just do it. The more people you connect with, the more progress you're going to make. And you can give to them and you can learn from them. And um, I think the connector type mindset is really what's going to help you grow. And stretch yourself. Because you know what? This is what I believe. I'm not the smartest person in the world. So I would rather just connect with people and just, yeah. just learn and I can learn from you and so forth.
0: Speaking speak my language. I love connecting with people, connecting other people, connecting with really great people like you and helping other people connect. And that's why I'm hosting my first conference later this year, the Talent Development Think Tank in November, November 6th and 7th in Sonoma, California. It's going to be all about bringing people in talent development to come together, to connect, to learn, to grow together. And people can find tickets for that at talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Jennifer, we'll have to talk about finding a way to get you there. Um, for anybody listening who might want to get in contact with you to connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: LinkedIn. I am there. Jennifer Payler. You'll see touching lives on my profile. That means you got the right Jennifer Paylor.
0: Love it. Touching lives. I think you and I are connected and I'm on LinkedIn every day. So if you're listening and you're not connected with me, make sure you connect with Jennifer and me on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. And Jennifer, thank you again for coming on to share some of your story, your experience, your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners do as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hussey.
1: Thank you, Andy, and great work that you're doing in the world.
0: Thank you. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. slash community and use code hot seat for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the talent development hot seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information
1: and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.